Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one heady page of Talmud a day. Heady, I say, because today's page, Ketubot 13, it's what the kids would call NSFW, or not safe for work. The sort of page that spends a lot of time in some pretty seedy stuff. More specifically, the question at hand in today's page revolves around the following question. Should we believe a woman when she reports on a relationship with a strange man? Should we trust her protestations that nothing really happened, even if we suspect that this uh, tall, dark, and handsome stranger over there she was just talking to might have elicited more than just conversation? Look, it's easy for us moderns to get swept up in the weirdness of this premise, but before we can even say Gloria Steinem, the Talmud takes another turn for the wonderful. Talking not about people, but about places. Have a listen. Granted, the Talmud says, according to Zairi, who said that speaking means that she secluded herself, that is the reason that the Tanah teaches two cases where there is merely concern. The case of into seclusion, where there is lesser concern that she engaged in intercourse, and the case of into a ruin, where there is greater concern. However, according to Rav Asi, who said that speaking means that she had intercourse, and only in that case is she not deemed credible, according to Rabbi Yoshua. Why do I need two cases? The Gemara answers, according to Rav Asi, the Tanah is teaching one case, if people saw a woman enter with one man into the seclusion of a ruin where the likelihood is that they entered to engage in relations. So here's what the rabbis are telling us. Listen, people, we all know that there are places where people go to fornicate, not merely to be alone, but to engage in carnal pleasures. And we should acknowledge that these places exist because they're a central part of our emotional architecture. Rav Asi takes the discussion a step further. There's a difference, he says, between ruins in the city and ruins in the country. In the city, quote, the majority of people in its proximity, meaning a proximity to the ruin, are honorable, while in the country, the majority of people in its proximity are unfit. What he's saying is, a ruin on 5th Avenue and 54th Street, say, isn't likely to be the sort of place where you'd go to save her sin. You'd want somewhere a little bit more secluded. But a hovel on the waterfront right off the West Side Highway by that abandoned shipping dock? Well, welcome in, all ye sinful. This surprisingly modern bit of insight that every great town has a place where people go to indulge in salacious behavior struck me as particularly poignant this week. A few days ago, at least if you're listening to this show on the day of its release, we said goodbye to a man named Mark Fleischmann. His parents, Jewish immigrants from Romania, treated him at 10 years old to a night out at New York's famous club Copacabana. You know the song? The hottest spot north of Havana. And young Fleischmann was immediately smitten. Maybe, like Rav Asi, he understood the power of the ruin, the place, to quote the song once again, where music and passion were always the fashion. Whatever he saw in that club that night as a kid, it didn't let go of him. Fleischmann grew up, went to Cornell, studied hospitality, and aspired one day to give the world 
the greatest ruin it has ever seen. And then, in 1980, he did. Buying an abandoned TV studio all the way in Manhattan's West 54th Street that was now a little club known as Studio 54. Unlike today's page of Talmud, which is all about people having to guess just what happened in the ruin, Fleischmann was very forthright about what went down in his very, very famous club. In his tell-all book, released a few years ago, aptly named Inside Studio 54, he tells just about everything. Here's Rick James, and here's Mick Jagger, and here's a parade of impossibly gorgeous humans marching up to his office to take a line or six of cocaine with a freshly rolled, crisp $100 bill before retiring to the corner to engage in other... NSFW interactions. Fleischmann saw it all, and he tells it all. But like Rav Asi, he understood that the fire that heats up the loins as you rush into the ruin, overcome by lust, well, that fire only burns for so long. You may pick up the book for a salacious story about Madonna or Calvin Klein, but eventually you're going to read about Mark Fleischmann telling you in stunning candor that all his parting led to a pretty biblically apt punishment. Pretty soon, his body started breaking down, beginning with a prolonged bout of impotence and ending in a streak of suffering, most of it drug-induced, that led to rehab and the selling of the club and the opening instead of, you guessed it, a chain of successful fitness studios. In the end, Fleischmann realized, you just want to be in proximity to honorable people, no matter how fun and fascinating the famous and fabulously wealthy and totally morally unfit may be. In the end, you just want to leave the ruin. This month, at 82 and ravaged by rapidly advancing disease, Fleischmann flew to Switzerland and took his own life at an assisted suicide clinic. Many of his former Hangouts regulars bid him farewell, sharing the cliched sentiment that his death marked the end of an era. They were right. Walk down any American city's street these days, and you won't see too many ruins. A sweet green spot where you could get overpriced salads? Sure. A Lululemon shop where you could buy the the $150 activewear pants you always wanted? Check. A Sephora temple for pricey makeup? You betcha. But a good, old-fashioned den of iniquity? We hardly do these anymore, now that most of our social lives have migrated online. Whatever desires we may have right now are satisfied in apps, not in ruins, which makes everything, well, kind of flat. But as we eulogize Mark Fleischmann, let us not eulogize the ruin quite yet. The Talmud got it just right. Our idea of moral behavior is meaningless unless we recognize the centrality of transgression, unless we understand that for every good and respectable home, there must also be a down and dirty place where the fallen frolic. It's our duty to migrate to the one and avoid the other. Studio 54 may be long gone, but the ruin, the ruin is here to stay. This has been Take One, 
If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic, and we will see you again soon.